right. Take your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter number four and verse number nine. If you ever feel you're all alone, have you ever felt like you're all alone sometimes? You may have a wife or a husband or a friend, or you may have some people around you, but man, doesn't it sometimes feel like you're still doing life alone? That's what we're going to talk about today. What does it mean to do life together? Why is it important for us as Christians to do life together? Life was not meant for us to do it alone. Ecclesiastes chapter number four, verse number nine. Father, Holy Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. May your word come alive in our hearts today. Illuminate our eyes and Holy Spirit of God, do the work that only you can do. Go forth. Let your word go forth. Set us free by the truth of your word, by the spirit of the living God. We love you. We honor you. And I pray that you would have preeminence right now in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, another word for a friend, but woe to him who is alone. For when he falls, he has not another to lift him up. Why is it so important that we do life with someone else, with other people? Because God wants us to do life with others. Because there are moments in your life when you are going to be weak, when you are going to be uh, not spiritually strong in the Lord. And so you're going to need a brother or a sister or a pastor or a friend, someone that can come alongside you and that can lift you up. Because don't you know that the devil is real? Don't you know that sin is rampant in this world? And because of that, we We need to build one another up in Jesus Christ. We need to encourage one another up in Jesus Christ. We need to lift each other up in Jesus Christ. The Bible says to forgive one another, to love one another, to be kind one to another. These are the one another's of scripture. And in a church of our size, when you have a multiplicity of people and background and uniqueness, you're not, you're going to feel like, where do I fit in? You fit in because Jesus Christ is the head of this body and we are a part of that body and we need each other. Pastor Trent preached a phenomenal message a few weeks ago talking about the members. We are members one of another. Wouldn't it be funny if these hands were all by itself wiggling over here? That would look pretty strange, wouldn't it? It would be pretty strange if this leg decided to go over there while this leg decided to go over here. It would look a little strange. That's why we don't listen to just the feet or just the arms. We listen to the head. Jesus is the head of Pathway Church. Hallelujah. Community. Community is God's desire for us, and it is a sign of mature faith. Because at the end of the day, when we grow in relationships with others, we're growing in relationships with him, the Lord Jesus. I want us to do our best to just, not just listen but listen intently. Listen with your heart, with the spiritual eyes and let God, the Holy Spirit of God, just extract the words of scripture and help you today. 
We need that today. There's been no greater time in the history of this church where we have to understand the depth and the meaning of what it means to live in common unity. Did you know that community or common unity means that there are going to be a diversity of personalities and issues and problems and you name it and we're going to have it. But that is what living in biblical community in the context of that, it separates ourselves from understanding what it means to live in just secular community. Because when we live in biblical community, we are saying to ourselves as believers, we are going to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Well, whose mind and who's the head of this church? The Lord Jesus. Well, whose, whose heartbeat should we have? The Lord Jesus. Whose feet should we have? The Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would take these hands. These are not my hands. These are yours. So when we honor one another and when we honor the Lord by giving our members to the head, to the Christ who is the head of this church, we are saying, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. That's what it means to live in Common unity, common unity in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, I love this, this, uh, this thinking and this philosophy because Jesus preached to a multitude of people, 5,000 at a time, 10,000 at a time, if you will, in many contexts. It's like this preaching to this whole entire auditorium, but here's the Lord Jesus Christ. He understood that it, he needed to do life in community with others, and so he walks among the earth, and he says, John Armstrong, I need you. I need you. I'm going to choose out among you 12 men that I am going to walk out my faith with. He began his earthly ministry at the age of 30. He, he comes forth and here he comes and he comes forth and he says, all right, Peter, I need you because I'm going to walk out this life with you. John, I'm going to walk out this life with you. Peter, I'm going to walk out this life with you. Thomas, I'm going to walk out this life with you. And he calls out 12 men. 12 is a very significant number in the Bible. There were 12 tribes of Israel and there were 12 disciples and uh, New Jerusalem has 12 foundations. Uh, the foundations of the apostles are built up with the apostles and 12 gates and 12 angels. 12 is a very significant number in the Bible. Why would he choose out 12? Because it shows a fullness and a completeness in law. And it shows that there is divine order. You see, when we understand that divine order and divine groupings of community, Jesus Christ lived it out. So he calls out from among them. He calls out 12 people that he would do life with. That's why life groups are so important because we live in a smaller community. Most of our life groups are about anywhere from eight to 14. There's one that has about 20 people, but let's just use the number 12. 12 people doing life together. Who is it in your circle of influence that you are doing life together with them? 
Who is it in your area within the church that you are walking out your faith with them, bearing one another's burdens? Listen, these disciples didn't choose, uh, didn't choose him. As a matter of fact, it was not their choice at all. Jesus Christ came to Peter on that Sea of Galilee and said, Hey, Peter, I know you're a fisherman, but I want you to follow me. Leave your net behind. Follow me and I will make you a fisher of man. You see, many times there are going to be people within the church. Yeah, this weekend, one of our men, Eric Smith, called out, and he, God was impressing upon his heart to call out another man. He was new to our community, but Eric didn't know it. They were visiting from Canada and moving to the area, and Eric goes over there, and he invites them to join the life group. You see, when we have the heart of God, there's a calling of God upon our life to call people out. It's the practice of Jesus. He calls people out. And so he calls Peter out. I want you to understand this thought because it is a, it's a very simple thought. I'm a very simple person, but the simple sometimes is just the profound. Doug Hampton, I was thinking about this the other day I was, when we were talking on the phone and I was thinking about you. In this context, Jesus Christ needed to fulfill his father's destiny and he needed Peter. So he calls him out. But did you know that Peter needed Jesus? It goes vice versa. I know that's simple. It's probably elementary to you, but to me, I just, I, 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 it was just a, such a sacred moment. God, you actually need me. You actually want me? You have a greater purpose for me? Father, thank you. Uh, let me join you in the work of God. So he did the same thing to Matthew and to Luke and to Mark and to Thomas and to Philip. And he calls them out and he says, I'm going to do life with you. And amongst the 12, you know what he decided? That he was going to pick out three, his inner circle. Tim Veldy, can you imagine if you're one of those disciples and all of a sudden Jesus extracts you out even beyond that? Because not only was he going to do life with those 12, but those three, Peter, James, and John, I'm going to do intimate life with you. You're going to know all my junk, all that junk in the trunk, you're going to know it. All those skeletons in, in the closet, you're going to know it. We're, there's going to be moments of transparency and authenticity and openness because Listen, we got to have each other's back. We got to pray for each other. And even though you know all my junk and all my mess, you still love me. Thank you. Peter, even if you're going to deny me, I'm still going to love you. Thomas, even if you're going to doubt me, I'm still going to love you. Because you see, when there are moments of, of honesty and truthfulness and authenticity, it's okay. Okay, because we know that we're just sinful in our nature and we need each other. That is part of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in our lives where he, 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 he allows us to have a brother who sharpens one another. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. We need each other. Sisters, we need each other. Brothers, we need each other. 
There are going to be three types of people in your life. The first person is going to be your confidant. You have, a, you have very few of those. Those are your, your, that's your inner circle. That's your three. These are the three people that, if you will, I'm just using the figurative number. These are going to be the people that walk out life with you. They're going to do life with you. They're going to love you when you're up. They're going to love you when you're down. They're going to love you when you're mad, when you're sad, when you're bad. When too, I mean, they're going to love you no matter what. They're going to love you for the long haul. You can share anything and everything with them because they are into you. They're just into you. They're going to be there for you. They don't have a personal agenda. They're just going to be there for you. They, they, they don't have an ax to grind. They don't have a motive. They're just into you because they want to do life with you. These are the people that you share your deepest and darkest and inner thoughts with. These are the people who do not judge you, who say, listen, everything's going to be okay. I know what you just told me. I know that seems heavy to you, but we got this. You don't have to do it alone. These are the relationships in your life where you can just, there you can give and you can take and both are always okay. These are your confidants. Do you have some of those, mind, those names rolling in your mind right now? Just people that you just know, that you know, that you know, whether they live in California or live somewhere else, a phone call, they'll just answer that call when they, when, when they see you. There's a few friends that I have. If I see their name, I'm going to do my best to answer that because that is my friend. Who's your confidant? Number two is your constituents are the constituents. They are not into you, but they are in what you are in for. So they're not necessarily into you. They're just into what you are for. They are for what you are for. As long as you are for what they are for, they will be with you, but never think that they are for you. If they meet someone else that meets their agenda, they will hook up with that person and leave you high and dry. These are the constituents. These are just people who come in and out of your life because there's some commonality. There's some same interests in your life. There's some mutual things. And once that, oh, once it's a different shade and all of a sudden they're out like a scout. They're done. They're moving on. It's not that they hate you. They don't hate you. They're just moving on. They just come in and out. These are just your constituents. And we're not talking about these folks. We're talking about the confidants. These constituents will go in and out of your life. And don't be mad. Don't be sad. Don't, be, don't, don't, don't worry about it so much. These people, these are a dime a dozen. These are people who are just into whatever you're into. But sometimes if you're not into it, it doesn't mean that they hate you. It's, they, 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 they change with every wind. These are your constituents. Don't mistake a constituent for a confidant. You're going to get your heart broken because you thought, because they were into what you're into, that they were into you. But that's not what they're into. So then you get your heart broken because you're like, I thought we were like, we were homies. That's a term in the young people's lingual. And it's a, it's an ebonics term, maybe, I guess. And maybe that's a little too color for this church. I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. This is, the, these, these are your, these constituents, they're just, they go in and out. 
Don't get your, don't, don't get your, your feelings hurt when they, you recognize that they weren't into you. They were just into what you were into. Number three, these are your comrades. These are your comrades. Don't mistake your comrades for your constituents. Don't mistake your comrades for your confidants because your comrades, these are not for you, nor are they for what you are for. (laughs) They are just against what you're against. (laughs) So if you're against something, And I'm against that too, even though we don't really know each other. Well, let's go. Let's pick at this together because I just, I just don't like that. And so I'm just against that. And if you're against it, we can link up for a moment and we can just link up in the name of hatred and dispute together for now. These are just comrades. These are just fighting. These are people who just fight with you in the moment, but they're not in the foxhole with you for life. They're just here to fight the battle. When they're done, they're done. These are comrades. They are strange bedfellows. They are the enemy of your enemy. And they'll team up with whoever they can team up as long as you're teaming up with the wrong things that they're also fighting for as well. As long as as you're fighting for what they hate, you've got a comrade. But those aren't your confidants. Don't mistake them and, and, and go to them and share them your deepest, darkest Constituent matters. Don't share with them your confidant matters. These are comrades. They just, you know, you get a fist bump every now and then, but that's about it. It's all right. These aren't bad people. It's just that you will need to understand there are distinctions of different people. These people come into your life. They're like scaffolding. They'll just come and you put them up for a little bit. They, they get the work that they need done and they are out. They're done. Don't tell your dreams to your comrades. You see, Joseph told the dreams to not his brothers. They were just his comrades. They didn't really dream with him. They didn't have Joseph's interests in mind. David understood what a confidant was, what a constituent was, and what a comrade was. And so he went to his constituent. His name was Jonathan. And he poured out his heart to his Jonathan. Who's your Jonathan? Who's your, who's your confidant that you're walking life with? It's amazing because when you think about these levels of people, you're going to recognize that in your relationships of life, you have these people. These aren't bad people. You just need to have some discretion and, and some wisdom to make that discernment so that you don't fall into a trap of, who they are. Living in biblical community with smaller groups of people allows you to move that level from comrade to constituent to now confidant. You can bear your soul to a Jonathan and to a David. You can bear your soul like a, like a Paul and a Barnabas and a Timothy. You can bear your soul like G- Jesus and John and James did together. These are moments of sacred trust. Here's the deal. It's important for us to spend time alone with God, soaking up the word, but he did not intend for us to live in isolation. He specifically designed us to crave and thrive in relationships with others. 
We're our better selves when we are experiencing life's highs and lows with other believers. That means everyone, whether you're single or married, you and I need community. I love my community in the staff office. I love my community amongst my pastor pastor brothers. I love my community amongst the elders. There are different levels of friendships and groups and all that. I love my biblical community, even in my life group. Yes, I joined a life group. When I came here in April of 2017, I came here to visit the church to be a part of a missions conference. That was all. We flew from Singapore to Vero Beach and we were going to participate. Uh, We had a missions ministry and we were doing mission work overseas, church planning, leadership development with the John Maxwell group. And we were doing all these things. And so we were invited here just to share our ministry. And my first visit to the church was not the service, but rather it was to a life group. I went to Eric Smith's and Katie's life group. I went into that life group not knowing anyone other than Michael, Ott, and Rose, and we we shared a little bit of our testimony, and I walked away thinking, wow, what an awesome group of people. I went back to Singapore thinking, all right, great, we're going to continue living in Singapore and living in Asia, doing ministry in uh, China and Nepal and India and all these other countries. And God bless those folks. And then I, while I'm working out and doing discipleship with some folks in my church, I get a phone call from Eric Smith. He comes on the video and he says, hey, bro, what you doing? Well, I'm working out. It's pretty late there for you in in Florida. Why are you calling? Just calling to say hi, thinking about you, and we were praying for you. Yes, life group. I didn't know that that was going to be my future life group, and we continue to keep in relationship with one another and friendship. And then I came back in July because the leaders of the church and the elders had invited me to speak, and they wanted me to pray about a possibility of serving as one of the pastors here. And I wasn't sure about that. So I just thought, well, the least I could do is honor that and pray about it. And I was building this little relationship, not thinking that it would be lifelong, deep walking out in faith together type of friendship, but we stayed connected. And I came, we were gonna have dinner with a couple folks. And I asked Eric, hey, you gonna be there? He said, man, I've got a conference up in Orlando. It's an entire week conference. I can't be there. Um, I'm bummed about it. My work, and I'm, it's required by law. I need to learn some of these new healthcare thing and things, and, and I've got to be a part of it. I said, man, I'm, I'm bummed, but I love you, and I hope you, you have a good conference. I'm in Vero Beach, and all of a sudden, having dinner, and guess who walks in the door? Eric Smith. And I said, what are you doing here? And he said, well, I left and I drove all the way down from Orlando so that I can have dinner with you because I don't think I'm going to see you again. And we had dinner together. I said, are you going to, do you need to get back up? He said, yep, just came just for dinner and to see you. And I'm going back up to Orlando. There's a bond that starts creating when you just intentionally do life with others. That. There was some constituency that was being built, but then all of a sudden I recognized it wasn't just going to be a constituent. This was going to be a confidant. And now my first introduction to the church was life groups. Pardon me. I was holy water. (laughs) (laughs) Now I recognize 
that God put me in a life group so he can, I would begin to serve in the church. And then one day, Pastor Trent, who is the life group pastor, was going to be transitioning out of our church and that God was raising up a life group leader in Eric Smith, who is now our new life group leader for Pathway Church. That's how God works. God is amazing. We had such a wonderful time of of fellowship yesterday morning from eight o'clock to 12 o'clock. We met with life group facilitators and we just, we we had a, a good time just talking and processing what it means to live in biblical community in this next season of our church. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get some speed. Change gears, here we go. Three, three or four things, write these things down, and the need for speed is right now, all right? Um, common unity. Community is, number one, is encouraging. Community is encouraging. Being in community gives you the chance to be around people at different stages of their faith journey and to bear these burdens alongside them. Galatians 6, 2 says to bear one another's burdens and to do life with people. In fact, it creates the ideal environment. You see, in this environment right now, we can't be in, uh, in that confidant, constituent relationship because the only person that's talking is me right now. <laughs> but when you're in a small group together, you're able to now talk and process and walk through life together. In fact, it creates a, an, an ideal environment to be a Barnabas, that means to be a friend, pursue a Paul, that's a teacher, or to train a Timothy, a new person in the faith, a student in the Lord, if you will. When it comes down to lifting each other up, learning from one another and being a friend um, is exactly what each one of us needs. And being in that allows us to practice Hebrews chapter number 10, verse 24 says, and let us consider how to spur one another to love. Everyone say love. And to good works. Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as this manner of some. Some people don't want to be a part in a church service or they don't want to be a part in a smaller group, but not you because you are a mature believer. So you're not going to forsake that as a manner of some, but let us exhort one another, especially as you see the day approaching. You know, it's hard to exhort one another when you're just coming to church and you're just sitting in your seat, worshiping the Lord in the word. You walk out, you go home. I think that's wonderful. That's a good necessity of being a Christian, of, uh, of coming together in corporate worship. But when we enter into a smaller community of people, we're able to now exhort one another in Jesus Christ. That's why it's so awesome to live in biblical community. I got to go over to Linda's life group and I visited her for her birthday. And I got to, yeah, she's a, she's a praiser. I'm a praiser. Eve, you're a praiser and I love it about you. And we go over there, we went over there. What are you doing here? It's your birthday. Hallelujah. I'm here to celebrate your birthday. And we, I just got to eat etouffee. Is that what we had that day? We had gumbo and etouffee. Rick Raider knows how to cook. Hallelujah. Jesus saves. All right. And we just, we ate together. We laughed together. And I'm listening to them. They're just encouraging one another in the Lord. That was so awesome. Tim Veldy let me visit his life group. I went over there and, and we, we just hung out and we waited. It was one of their, was it your birthday that day or was it your birthday? Somebody's birthday. It was your birthday. He's 50 years old, never looked any younger. Man, Tim, way to go. 
He's not, okay? We want, we got doing life together means celebrating together, joining together. And I got to meet people in their life group and I saw they're they're just loving each other, exhorting one another, encouraging one another, comforting one another. You know, we get we're in a season of our church where there's been a lot of necessity of comforting one another. It's biblical. And we get to do that in smaller communities of people. Number two, community is fun. Community should never be boring or forced. In fact, it should be the opposite as believers. Psalms 133.1 says this, how good and how pleasant it is when God's people dwell together in unity. How good and pleasant. Oh, it is so fun to be a Christian. We are family. Come on. Man, we are having a time. We're making memories. We're, listen, if you want to make memories, you should have seen Friday night. And if you didn't get to be a part of Friday night, go onto our Facebook page and you will see Pastor Doug dancing. Now that's fun right there. You will see Michael Ott try to dance. I mean, you know you are white when you are going... My body isn't telling me what to do. (laughs) You know you're the worship pastor when you got a little jam in you. Pastor Randy got it going on. Man, listen, it was fun. We were having a time. Hashtag pathway party. Listen, the Christian life shouldn't be boring. We got the joy of the Lord. We ought to just allow the joy of the Lord to just come out of our lives. Community has a higher purpose. Having fun is part of that higher purpose. Because God lives in us. Number three, community attracts the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is present whenever two or more are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of them also. Acts 2, 46, the Lord added to their number and daily who were being saved. You see, when you come into community with another person, two or more, that's, a un- that's a now a union. And then Jesus comes in, that's now a threefold cord that can't easily be broken. And then you start inviting other people because three, just, you just keep adding to that and God keeps multiplying to our church. This is the book of Acts and I can't wait. Uh, Dr. Hall and Mrs. Hall are joining our church and they're going to be here next Sunday to preach and do ministry in our church. And they're preaching from, he's preaching from the book of Acts. What it means to live in the New Testament and to do New Testament model church. You don't want to miss it. He's going to take Acts beginning in chapter number one and verse one, and he is going to show us and teach us what it means to be a New Testament church. Dr. Hall, would you just wave to us right here? There he is. All right. We love him. He loves our church so much for the past couple of weeks. He's not even supposed to be here until next week, but he's been driving every Saturday and he's been spending the night here in Vero Beach just so he can go to church three times. (laughs) Saturday night, Sunday morning, and then later on again. I said, "Why, why do you keep coming? This is my new family, I guess. 
He just wants to be here with you all. I love it. Community attracts the Holy Spirit. Number four, and I'm done. Community fosters love. Community fosters love. You've probably heard wedding officiants will say, now the greatest of these is love. And that is true. The greatest attribute that a Christian, that a church can exhibit is love of Jesus Christ, love for one another, and love for this community. 1 Corinthians 13, now these three remain. What are the three that remain of all the different attributes? Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You know what's interesting? If you look up the word love, you'll recognize that the word love is also the same word that describes who God is. For God is love. He describes himself as love. And the greatest among you will be your servant. And the greatest of these is love. Oh, that we would just have a church that just serves one another. When you serve one another, it's not about your prerogative and your agenda and your philosophy because love honors one another. Bible says to put on love. Our last passage is in Colossians chapter number three. I'll just read this out. Put on, the, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And one has, if one has a complaint against another, ooh, that's a good one right there. You have a complaint about someone? Here's what the Bible says. Forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you. No, I'd rather hold a grudge. No, that's not what the Bible says. Ye that are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of Christ and meekness. Love them. Forgive them. Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also must you forgive. Verse number 14 is key. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. What's the next word? Unity. The word harmony and unity is synonymous. So what does it mean to put on then? I had to put on a coat. I didn't have it to begin with because sometimes I don't have love. Sometimes I don't have forgiveness. Brandon, sometimes I don't have, I don't have it. So I have to put on, the Bible says to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it means. So I'm going to go ahead and put on love. Father, I pray that you would give me your spirit of love for others. Because right now, I ain't got it. <laughs> haters going to hate, and this hater is hating right now. I had me some gator, gator hate. All right, little hate. So I, I, I don't have it right now, but God, would you just give that to me? And allow me to love as Christ would love. So I'm going to put it on. You see, living in common unity requires us to put on love for one another. Putting on doesn't mean fakeness. 
It means to put on something that you didn't have. So you need to put it on now. It's authentic. I don't have it right now, but God, give it to me. I need you. Let's all stand to our feet, shall we? As we go to the Lord in prayer. Do business with God as God has called you in your own heart to do business with him. It's essential that we as believers, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Verse number 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body. It's necessary for us as the body to love one another, forgive one another, encourage one another, and all the other one another's of scripture. We're gonna sing this song together and if God is doing something in your heart and you need to, you need to obey the spirit, to your right, altars are available for you to pray. To your left, prayer partners are ready to pray with you. Or there in your seat, do business with God as God speaks to you.
Lord. Take advantage of that. We still have our prayer partners up here. We would love to pray with you and encourage you. Secondly, you heard a lot about life groups today, a lot about pathway groups. There's no obligation to go to the table and at least look and check it out and just see what's available, see what's, and pray about it. Make sure the Lord is telling you what you should be doing in regards to, to pathway groups. We'd love for you to join that. And lastly, church fellowship. Don't, don't rush right now. Fellowship. Find someone maybe you haven't met yet. Find some people that you do know. Just love on each other. Fellowship. God bless you. Have a great day.